Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. Welcome in to the Antler Sports Network. Another Tuesday, another day, another dollar. We start on a bit of a more somber note as usual. 63 seconds of Scott Hall's music to mourn the passing of the wrestling great Scott Hall or Razor Ramon. Passing at the age of 63. Easily one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. A very revolutionary figure. The greatest IC champion, intercontinental champion work rate belt, mid-card title, whatever you want to call it. Easily one of the best to ever step foot in the ring. Scott Hall, in my opinion, deserves a lot more credit than he has ever received. Not just because he's passed away. The sports media and just people in general tend to want to give people their flowers after they pass. But when it comes to Scott Hall, he deserved a lot more flowers than he received while he was alive, even outside of his prime. After he was out of his physical prime, leaving WCW after that promotion's eventual collapse, he slowly began, and even during his career, his life began to spiral more and more out of control as his life went on, but he still continued to fight. He stayed around the WWE, whether that be through assistance and booking, and even in the performance center to train the rest of the future that we still see now. And before, before that time, he set a precedent to what a heel in wrestling should be. Of course, in his first stint with the WWE at the time, WWF, he, as his Razor Ramon character, made being bad cool. And I know we hear that a lot when talking about Scott Hall and the NWO, and we'll get to his stint of the NWO shortly. But Scott Hall's ability to make being bad look good set the tone for guys like Bret Hart in the Americas in the late Attitude Era. Stone Cold Steve Austin, Vince McMahon, they made Scott Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, that character that he had, the way he executed his character, his mannerisms, the accent, the toothpick throwing it in the camera, he made being a bad guy cool, not only for that new generation, but for wrestling for decades to come. And then later on in the NWO, what some people argue is his prime, he took that same ability to popularizing heel work and made it worldwide with the New World Order, no pun intended. His ability to captivate audiences and give another another new fresh look in wrestling with his character 
is something that not many athletes and wrestlers, even from the past and even the present, maybe even the future, can't say that they've done. So rest in peace to Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. You're here on the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. Jared Jones once again here with you today. Pretty stacked show. We have Hunter Taylor, one of another Antler Sports Network producer coming on later on the show. Of course, March Madness begins today. We'll get into some March Madness talk. Even try to win you a couple of bucks on your brackets, whether that be with work or ESPN, Fox, or CBS brackets, or whatever bracket you choose to put your basketball expertise into. We're going to talk some NBA Talk a little bit of NFL as well. Of course, as you know, Tom Brady coming back. The, M- the MLB lockout lasting longer than Brady's retirement. We will get to that as well when Hunter comes on the show via the ABS Teacher Graphics hotline. But first, let's talk some March Madness. Selection Sunday has come and gone. The field has been set. So I will give you my sports expertise to help you make sure that you have only the best brackets as March Madness begins. Going from top to bottom from all four regions, starting with the West, I will be picking the biggest game from each region, breaking down both teams, and eventually picking the region winner. So by the time we finish, we will have my final four, in my opinion, the best final four, done and dusted for your March Madness brackets. Starting in the West, the biggest game is the 8-9 game between number 8 Boise State and number 9 Memphis. Boise State is an 8 seed. It's their first tournament appearance since 2014-2015. Their biggest loss so far this year was against St. Bonaventure. The Bonnies were ranked number 22 at that time. They have a pretty mid-to-average strength of schedule. They were 84th in the country in strength of schedule. But in comparison, they have the 39th, they have the 39th ranked in the country strength of record. So they beat teams that they're supposed to beat. They're 5-1 against Quadrant 1 teams. That means they handle business when it comes to big games and great teams above 500. They won the Mountain West Conference Tournament, but back last year in the 2021 NIT Tournament, in the quarterfinals or the semifinals, I forgot particularly which one, they lost to Memphis by three points. So that was the last meeting between these two teams. So a bit of history between the Broncos and Memphis. On the other side, the nine seed Memphis coming out of the American Athletic Conference. They won 12 to 13 prior to losing in the AAC conference title game to U of H. The Cougars taking them down to the conference championship. The first tournament appearance since 2014. They have big wins over Alabama. One of the, in my opinion, one of the sleepers in this tournament. We'll get to them a bit later on. Also beating the Virginia Tech Hokies, who had just won the, the ACC conference championship over Duke, and they beat U of H twice. They're three of four, so they're under 500 against Quadrant 2 teams, which is something I always think is pretty pivotal, especially in these earlier seeding games. If you're in the middle of the road, those Quadrant 1 to Quadrant 2 games are going to be very important because those are the teams that you're going to see immediately on, especially if you're going to be in those in the middle of your bracket against a team like Boise State, who's going to be very hungry. They're great against great teams, especially knowing that they almost had your number you only beat them by three points the last time you two met. Some of the same guys are going to be on that team. So, of course, you want to try to get an advantage early on and take the the lessons that you learned beating the Alabamas and the Virginia Techs and the Houstons to try to, to try to take down Boise State. Memphis, a two-and-a-half-point two favorite. I'm favoring Memphis as well. I think Memphis will defeat the Broncos by a score of 73-69. to 69. In that West region, 
lot of heavy hitters, but I like Texas Tech. I like the Red Raiders. They have that championship experience. They've been on the biggest stages. They've gone through a hellacious conference in the Big 12. You'd argue probably the toughest conference in the country. Almost 10 teams out of that Big 12 alone getting the nod from the NCAA selection committee. Moving on to the East now, that biggest game, I'm going to pick the 7-10 game. Number 7, the Murray State taking on number 10, San Francisco. Starting with Murray State, they have beaten Memphis. The previously aforementioned Memphis Tigers out of the AAC, they beat them earlier on this year, but they were blown out by Auburn. Now, if you look at Auburn, they were the top team in the country after Gonzaga fell for a vast majority of this season. Even one seat talks in Selection Sunday. Murray State out of the Ohio Valley Conference, they're not going to be tested as often as, say, an Auburn would playing in a much more treacherous SEC. So Murray State being blown up by Auburn, yeah, is something to consider, but I don't think that's a resume maker or a resume breaker in this case. They're heavily regarded as one of, if not the best mid-major team in the country, which I think honestly says a lot because mid-major teams... In the past 10 years of this tournament, have made a name for themselves. I always look back to that Virginia-UMBC game between Baltimore-Maryland County, excuse me, Maryland-Baltimore County. That team ran up pretty much an offense that you see a lot now. Spread offense, lots of ball screens, lots of floppy action. That's something that you've seen Alabama, the previously mentioned Crimson Tide. That's something that they specialized in this season, something they've become very good at, become a focal point in their offense. So I expect Murray State to be able to get out on a run against San Francisco. They have the 35th most efficient offense in the country, so we know they can score the ball. They're 21st in net rating. Net rating has pretty much become the do-or-die stat in college basketball. They're 4-1 in neutral site games, and they're 2-1 against Quadrant 1 teams. That only lost against a Q1 team coming against Auburn. The Auburn Tigers handling Murray State handedly. So I expect Murray State to be come in battle-tested. They're going to be used to the neutral site game. They're over 400. They're well over 500, excuse me, in neutral site games. 4-1, as I just stated. But San Francisco's not really a slouch either. They're 4-3 and three in neutral sites. They're 4-6 and six against Quadrant 1 teams, so they're just under 500 against teams such as Murray State or Boise State or Memphis. But they're 5-2 and two against Quadrant 2. I would put San Francisco in that Quadrant 2 category. Coming out of the West Coast Conference semifinals, losing to Gonzaga. This is head coach Todd Golden's best season in three years. This is second over 500 season. His second season, he went 11 to 13. So I expect San Francisco to be able to come out and put a pretty good fight up at this point. This close to the season, you play Gonzaga. You played them pretty well. You played in a you play Gonzaga constantly. You play St. Mary's, two teams that we know can play some solid basketball. But this season for San Francisco, probably one of the biggest in school history, ending a 23 season postseason drought, one of the longest in all of Division One. They have a top 10 defense of the country, which is something I, I'm almost certain that people don't really talk about other than the Joe Lenardis and the big bracketology guys of the world. Having a top 10 defense going against teams like Gonzaga and St. Mary's on a week-to-week basis in conference play and still being 5-2 and two against Q1 teams and being 4-6 and six against Q1 teams, it's definitely something to look out for. They're definitely going to like the three ball. I guess that something about San Francisco, something about the West Coast, People just love shooting threes. 44% of their field goals are from downtown. But I do pick Murray State to come out with a victory, 55-50. to 50. Now that region, same thing as with the Western region. 
lots of heavy hitters, but I'm picking Kentucky. Kentucky has caught fire late in the season, which is pretty much the perfect time. You can have a slow start, and you can still slowly climb your way back into discussions. But come tournament time, that's the time you want to get your quality wins, especially in conference. People have said that the conference tournament doesn't really mean as much. I think it should. You're going against teams that you've played twice already in a season in a neutral site. To me, that best simulates the March Madness feel. You're going against great teams, probably a team that you've seen here or there before, whether that be in pre-conference play or even during conference play in some situations, in a neutral site, win or go home. I feel as if conference tournaments should count for a lot more than they should. Now, moving on back to the top of the bracket to the South region. Biggest game, I'm going to pick the 6-11 game, Colorado State versus Michigan. Now, we'll get to Michigan in a sec. I have a pretty weird view on the Michigan Wolverines this season. Well, let's talk about their opponents first. Colorado State losing in their conference semifinals. They defeated St. Mary's. They've beaten Creighton. They swept Boise State. They've beaten San Diego State, and they've beaten Mississippi State. Mississippi State, a fringe Q1 team, arguably a top Q2 team. St. Mary's, as we know, beat Gonzaga. Gonzaga was a consensus pick for the best team in the country. St. Mary's didn't care. Already knocked them off their rocker. Creighton. Always a solid team. They're going to have great players. They're going to have great guys. Always going to be well coached every single year. Expect them to be in the middle of the bracket during March Madness when this time comes around. And they defeated Boise State. They're an eight seed. Colorado State's a six seed, so I can fully understand how Colorado State got the higher seed at Nod. They're 13-4 against Q1 and Q2 teams. So they're defeating some of the best in college basketball handily when they come up on the schedule. The first tournament appearance since 2013, they were a bubble team. The past couple of years, they were a bubble team back in 2015. They were a bubble team in 2017. And just this past season, back in 2021, they were a bubble team. You can even argue that they were a bubble team back in 2020 if we had a March Madness tournament. But, of course, COVID pretty much derailed that. They started the season with an 11-0 start. They started hot, and they pretty much ended hot. You can understand how Colorado State, how the Rams have been able to stay solid throughout this entire season, even though they slipped in the conference tournament. Couldn't win the whole thing, but as you can see, the committee's giving them a nod, giving them their best wishes. Head coach Nico Melvide extended to the 2028-2029 season just a couple of days ago, and they were once in the top 25, the highest they were ranked this season at the 23 spot. So the Rams, I like the Rams in this. I like the Rams in this ball game. Let's go to their opponents, the Michigan Wolverines. They're a roller coaster of a team. Their longest win streak of the year was three. They lose Games that they're supposed to win, but they win games that they're not supposed to win as well. You can even say that the other way around. They lose games that they're not supposed to lose, and they win games that they're supposed to win. So this Michigan team, you see the headlines, of course, with the Jawan Howard situation earlier on this year, a mess on all sides, something that disgraces the college basketball game. Heckles Jawan Howard suspended for the conference tournament, but... It goes without saying that they have one of the weakest resumes probably in March Madness history. An 11 seed out of the Big Ten. But they have they were one of the last four in, according to Joe Lenardi, and the committee shows that as well. But they had the fifth strongest schedule in the nation, especially in that conference, that Big Ten conference. They have some big losses against Iowa, number 24 at the time. Wisconsin, they were 15. Ohio State, they were 16. Michigan State, they were 10 Fighting Illini, Illinois, they were 25th, and Purdue, they were number four. But on the flip side, they've won some pretty good, pretty big games as well. They beat Purdue when they were a top three team. 
They defeated Iowa. They defeated Ohio State. And an interesting tidbit that I saw scrolling through the Twitter space here, if you haven't followed the Antler Sports Network on Twitter, be sure to follow us at Antler underscore SN. They were the first team to receive an at-large bid while only being three games over 500. The last team to do that was the Georgia Bulldogs in 2001. I don't want to call Michigan frauds because at the end of the day, they're still a great basketball team. They have quality wins and they play a tough schedule in a tough conference. But I... I like, I like Colorado State in this one. Colorado State's a lot more solid. They can shoot the three ball. We know they can shoot it in volumes, but they can make it in volumes as well. Anybody can shoot 50,000 threes a game, but if you can't hit, it doesn't matter. I'm picking the Rams at 65 to 50. I think that they will handily defeat the Wolverines. Out of that region, yes, I know. Everyone's going to say I'm biased, but I don't care. I'm picking my TCU Horn Frogs out of this region. We're going to defeat Seton Hall. We're going to go all the way. We're making it to the Final Four. If you don't like it, oh well. At me. We can debate it. I don't mind. Moving on to the final region, the Midwest region. The biggest game, I like the 4-13 game. The Providence Friars at the 4th seed and the South Dakota State Jackrabbits out of the 13th seed. Now, but Providence is their high seed in program history. And I, I can agree with that. Providence has always had great teams. Kendrick Nunn, great guys coming out of that program. We've seen them time and time again be around in that 8-16 to 16 seed range. But now I see that they're breaking... The perennial ceiling. They're making five, four, three. They're making five, four, three seeds, high seeds, highly regarded seeds. But you're facing teams like San Diego. Oh, excuse me, not San Diego State, South Dakota State. Providence, of course, like I said earlier, the highest seed in program history. It's their first conference regular season title in program history out of the Big East Conference. They lost to the conference semifinals. They're five and three against Quadrant One teams. They're nine. They're 92 against Quadrant 2 teams, and they're unbeaten, or excuse me, undefeated, 11-0 against Quad 3 teams. So they're solid against the top three quadrants. They're great against great teams. They defeated Wisconsin. They defeated Vermont. They defeated Texas Tech. Texas Tech, I had them winning their region. Providence beat that Red Raiders team. One of six teams out of the Big East Conference with bids, but they're 1-6 in the tournament under 11th-year head coach Ed Cooley. Now, Cooley has been fantastic in the regular season, even in the conference tournament. The Big East tournament is always going to be a solid tournament, always going to have great teams. But it's just when March comes around and it's time to win the big one, hasn't been able to get it done. But I expect him to have a much better chance this season. Now, uh, their opponents, the Jackrabbits, arguably one of the best mascots, not even in college basketball, but in athletics as a whole. 13 seed, the Summit League champions defeating North Dakota State. They're on a 21-game win streak, including their conference championship win, including their conference championship run. They got shellacked by Alabama earlier this season, 104-88. Alabama, the Crimson Tide, were number 14 at the time. I feel like that same situation with them applies to Murray State. Ironically, Murray State loses to an SEC team. South Dakota State losing to an SEC team. You have these early conference, you have these early non-conference games against perennial top 25, if not top 15 teams. Then yeah. Of course, it's games where you want to see where your team stacks up against bigger competition for times like this, where you're facing a Providence, especially with Auburn, the previously aforementioned Tigers being in that region. They lead the country three-point percentage, 44.2% from downtown. They also lead the country in effective field goal percentage, 59.7%. They have solid bigs on the block. I, I see them as kind of like a pseudo-Michigan. They can work the ball around on the perimeter, but if they, if they need to ground and pound on the block and get... 12 easy points a half, 
on the block with drop steps, fundamental spins, they can definitely do that. They have the size, they have the agility, and they can kick it out when you collapse into the end of the key, kick out for easy threes at the best three-point shooting team in the country. They're 6-1 in neutral site games. They're 0-2 against quad one teams, however. That's something that I think the committee also took, a, took into consideration. They're 2-0 against quad two, but they're 26-4 against quad three and four. So majority of the schedule against quad three and four teams. I like Providence out of this one. I want to take the Friars 87-71. to Auburn, the Tigers, they will win that region. We're going to take one more short break. We're going to have Hunter Taylor, an Antler Sports Network producer, on. Want to give a quick thank you to some of our sponsors, Tops Pizza. Tops Pizza is where I always head for lunch before I come and do the show. If you're looking to ball on a budget, especially with gas prices being as high as they are, head over to Tops Pizza, get their lunch combo for six bucks. You can get a huge personal pizza. You, you look at it and think it's just a small pizza, but it isn't, I promise you. And a drink, head over to Tops Pizza in Tyler, Texas, Old Troop Highway, just across from Walmart, right next to Cato's. You'll hear on the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. When we come back, we'll have Hunter Taylor on and we'll talk a little bit in the NFL. It's the studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. To make winning decisions, you need a championship team in your corner. Monument Realty, led by Anthony Heider, is that championship team. With countless houses sold in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, you're sure to score the right abode for you and your family. If finding the perfect home is in your future's game plan, then Monument Realty and Anthony Heider are your perfect play call to get the job done. Monument Realty in Frisco, Texas, the official realtor company of the Dallas Cowboys, the Texas Rangers, and the Antler Sports Network probably wondering, where is everyone in your area going for screen printing and promotional needs? It's simple. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. They can print on anything. We're talking shirts, hoodies, cups, pens, and pretty much anything that you can put a logo on. ABS T-Shirt Graphics is here to fulfill your company, organization, and fundraising needs. For a free quote, call 903-939-0990. ABS T-Shirt Graphics, located one half of a mile outside of the Loop on 155 South. Don't forget to like them on Facebook. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. A car is one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. It's how you get to work, how you take the kids to school, and how you get to some of life's biggest moments. Why not treat it as such? Whenever your car needs some tender love and care, visit Thompson Tire and Services in Tyler on 321 South Bonner Avenue, just five minutes south from Christus Trinity Mother Francis Rose Stadium. Joe Thompson and his team of professionals bring decades of under the hood experience to ensure that your car runs to the best of its ability. Any make, any model, any year, Thompson Tire and Services is the only place to get the best service for your car in East Texas. Open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday and closed on weekends. Hello, my name is Tarnisha. My name's Anthony. And we own Drip Like Jesus. Drip stands for devote, reach, influence people, just like Jesus did. Each one of our apparel has a scripture on the back that goes with the design. It's our cool way of spreading the gospel and looking fly. We are located in Stonebriar Mall in Frisco and also online at www.driplikejesus.com. So feel free to go online and shop or come check us out in Frisco. And thank you for helping us spread the gospel. Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. So I want to bring to the stage right now Evidence!
Welcome back to the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. If you're listening live on the Mixler app, online at antlerisn.com slash watch on the Antler Sports Network live feed. Or if you're listening after we go live on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on TuneIn Radio. Yes, we're on TuneIn now. Be sure to follow the ASN across social media. On Facebook and YouTube, just search Antler Sports Network. On Twitter, at Antler underscore SN. And on Instagram, at Antler Sports Net. We have Hunter Taylor on with us. Just before we get to him, Brady's back. That's something that myself and many of the people in my circle didn't think would happen. The MLB lockout lasted longer than Brady's retirement did. But he's back. He said he's going to come back for yet another season. Went to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When I initially heard that he was going to retire, I guess for me, I have to get in a place where I can't factor the way I would do things into the way other people do things, Jay. I do that a lot. Yeah. Like why I would do certain things. And I don't know his family situation. You know, when you, like for me, when I had a young son who likes to play sports and things of that nature, at some point, I want to be there and be a part of that. I don't know if that's his kids. Maybe his kids doesn't want to play sports, so he's not missing out on some of those opportunities because he's playing right now. Maybe in the end, he really has a lot left in the tank and he wants to continue to separate himself from everybody else in the sports world as far as being the most iconic athlete in the history of a game. As you just heard, I can understand, and shout out to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max from ESPN for that last audio. I can fully understand where they're coming from. Even from a standpoint of, a, of honestly, a young man that's out of school, played sports, understands the importance of the support of parents. If I'm Brady, I don't, I, I can't, you can't really tell where his head's at. Now, speaking of Brady, we're going to bring Hunter Taylor, I'm one of the producers with the Antler Sports Network. Hunter, if I'm Tom Brady, what makes me come out of retirement? I'm the greatest quarterback of all time. What makes me sit in my couch and think, you know what? I'm going back to Tampa. I think it's just the love of football. I mean, the man has played 23 years. He's played in 10 Super Bowls, won seven. What else is there to prove? He's made $400-plus million over his career. You know, his wife makes very well money. The only reason I can think of is just the love of the sport. He has nothing else left to prove. He is hands down the greatest quarterback of all time. What else can you think of? Well, you say for the love of the game, we've seen guys like Tony Romo and both the Mannings, they don't play. They don't take snaps under center, but they're still involved with the game. What do you think made Brady, instead of going into the booth or maybe even going into coaching, whether that be at the high school, college, or pro level, what made him want to go back onto the field and actually play instead of being in the booth, being an analyst, or even being a coach? It's a competitive style. I mean, everybody knows he is probably the most competitive quarterback that the NFL has ever seen. I'm just believe if he thinks he can play some 50s, he'll play some 50s. Um, I, don't, I don't think he sees himself sitting in the booth trying to analyze the game. Uh, somebody like, you know, Romo or Aikman, he'd rather be on the field trying to make plays and trying to win another Super Bowl. 
Now, you said you want to win another Super Bowl. Does he win another Super Bowl before he, and this is in quotations, retires once again? Or does he retire without adding another title to his collection? I honestly, I don't think he won another one. I think he could have retired two years ago when he won his Super Bowl the first year in Tampa. He could have just retired on top and won Peyton Manning. The AFC the is, luckily, he's in the worst division because the AFC, I would say, there's no way. The only struggle he really has now is the Rams and the Packers with Aaron Rodgers. I still do not see him making it. His team is losing. Everybody, their cap space is terrible. I just want to keep saying that team spiral around until season starts up. Unless he's somehow just traded. Now, Hunter, you're a big football guy, so we're going to keep you on. For the NFL, free agency has pretty much gotten into full swing. Lots of teams already making changes in ahead of a new season. This one's a bit personal for me. The Browns just released Jarvis Landry just to sign Amar just to trade for Amari Cooper. Now, I'm going to let you dissect that first before I go into my sad tangent about my Cleveland Browns making yet another stupid decision. Yeah, man, I've I cannot even begin to make that trade or make that Amari trade make sense for the Cowboys. I mean, the Browns won that a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper. I mean, come on. That was a win for the Browns, but releasing Jarvis, what sense does that make? I mean, absolutely none. If, if you would have said, okay, we're going to keep Jarvis Landry and have Amari Cooper, okay, I think that's a better combo and going down the than Cleveland than yeah, Jarvis and OBJ. I believe that could have been a better combination. But to release Jarvis, it does not make any sense. I mean, unless they're trying to make a huge splurge for quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson, then it just did not make any sense. Now, reports today out of the NFL landscape that the Browns are going to be talking to Deshaun Watson today. I don't think that justifies why you just let Jarvis Landry walk when he openly said that he was that he wanted to be traded. You could have got something out of it. It doesn't have to be as little as a haul as we sent off to get Amari Cooper, but it could have been some kind of capital. It would have been some amount of assets, whether that be picks or players, or even cash exceptions. That's something. But you're just letting a guy that you knew wanted to be traded, who openly said they wanted to be traded from the team, and you just let him walk. That makes no sense to me. And this is the reason why I think the Browns will never be... We'll never, I don't even want to say never be good, but we'll never reach the full potential they were supposed to reach. We can go all the way back to when Baker first went, to, when Baker first arrived in Cleveland. Winning that first game, and then you see all the beer coolers opening up, that gave myself and other Cleveland fans hope. Then you add Odell Beckham, one of the best receivers that we've seen in a while. Then you have Jarvis Landry. Then you have Duke Johnson, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb who's become arguably the best running back in the league. And you do nothing with it. You do absolutely nothing with it. Go to the playoffs, sure, but you get bounced. Fine. And then what do you do? Your number one target doesn't want to be here. All right, I want to be traded. All right, fine. Let's trade him. No, let's release him and get absolutely nothing for it. I'd like the Amari Cooper pickup. He is a good replacement for Jarvis Landry. I just hate the fact that we got absolutely nothing for it. Now, moving on to another team, Larry 
Ogunjobi signing with the Bears. Now, Hunter, I know you're a big Bengals guy. You like Joe Burrow, so you, you're pretty familiar with the Cincinnati Bengals. They lose a defensive piece on a defensive court that's arguably one of the worst in the league. Do you think that Larry Ogunjobi walking to the Bears is maybe a setup for something bigger, or did the did the Bengals simply make another mistake here? I, I was honestly I was very disappointed when I saw that, and I woke up this morning saying that we've gone ahead and signed two Pro Bowl linemen, and we signed Ted Harris from the Patriots, and then signed another guard from Tampa. That gives that gives me more hope. So we can lose one piece on the obviously not a final piece of us winning. You know, I mean, I wish they would trade Eli Apple off and give us a bag of peanuts for what I hear. But we've got to get protected from Joe I mean, you saw that Super Bowl. If he has a top five O line, that is a Bengals victory in the Super Bowl. And I honestly stand for that to this day. Yes, the defense is help, but they're trying to do something like that, free up cap to pick up O linemen, but I'm perfectly okay with it. Now, moving on to the quarterback position now, the Pittsburgh Steelers, after Big Ben's retirement, I guess they I guess they made a big splash. I don't know what you would call this. Sign Mitchell Trubisky. Is Mitchell Trubisky going to be their starting guy, or are they going to make some more moves and try to get a solidified stud under center? Because I like Mitchell Trubisky, but I don't, I, I don't think he's the number one guy in Pittsburgh, especially in Mike Tomlin's offense. Look, this is going to be – you may argue this subject a little bit. I did not think Mitchell Trubisky was a problem whatsoever with Barry. I blame it 100% on Matt Nagy. I honestly thought it wouldn't be a bad idea if the Browns made a splash for Mitch Trubisky you know, and let him and Baker battle it out. You know, maybe Baker improves, maybe he doesn't, and you know, Mitch proves that he's a starter. Maybe trade Baker. Who knows? But I really do not think that that would be a bad idea. For Cleveland, to test out their options of sticking to Baker Mayfield, or case to them. But I think the Steelers got a good quarterback, and I think Mason can improve a lot of people around. Hunter Taylor here, Antler Sports Network producer on the ABS Teacher Graphics Hotline. The Cincinnati, no, not the Cincinnati Dolphins, excuse me, the Miami Dolphins pick up Chase Edmonds, and the Cardinals extend James Conner. Now, off air, I want to say yesterday we talked about the Dolphins picking up Chase Edmonds. What are your immediate thoughts on the Dolphins' do pickup? You know, I think it's a decent pickup. I don't think it's a big deal if anybody else is making it sound. Yes, it's going to improve their team, but let's be honest, the Dolphins need to worry more about quarterback. They signed Teddy Bridgewater, who is a very – he's not a star quarterback, but he is a very – Decent quarterback, he's not going to win you a lot of games, but he is a quarterback that can push the team like the Dolphins through the playoffs. But I don't think that he's going to make any difference for the Dolphins this season. Now for the now for the Cardinals, you have the the Kyler Murray ordeal, which is a whole other discussion. You have DeAndre Hopkins, who's been battling injuries. There's the entire Christian Kirk situation. Extending James Conner and at least identifying one offensive piece, do you think that's the one domino that the Arizona and head coach Cliff Kingsbury needed to fall in order to try to bring that core back together and make another playoff run? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I think it, I think it does. I think DeAndre Hopkins is the big thing. If you keep DeAndre Hopkins, why would Tyler and Mike? You have the 
top a top three receiver on your team, you know, any given day. Honestly, I don't think anything's gonna go go on with Kyler. He's gonna stay, he's gonna get a big contract and fuck everybody else. Everybody's gonna stay happy. That team should at least be a good playoff easy playoff team on Super Bowl contender for the next four or five years. Now you also have to consider the Seahawks, they just lost Russell Wilson. So that if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, this is the time to pounce. A strong division just got just a bit weaker. Now, be it last year, granted, Russell Wilson wasn't as much of a factor as he was in previous seasons in that conference. But now that he's gone, you don't have to worry about him at all. This is Arizona's time to make a splash. They don't need to disappoint like they did last season. They need to stay healthy. Colin Murray needs to get his you-know-what together, get back with the team, and gear up for the next season. Now, moving back on to Deshaun Watson, of course, Deshaun Watson, the, one of the biggest NFL stories of this week's, of this early week already. He's he's pretty much back on the market now. Everyone was questioning while the while the trials and all the allegations were looming above him, if teams should even consider trading him just to see how long he can play for and then let whatever happened happen. But now teams seem to be all in. The Panthers and the Saints were some of the biggest names. The Falcons were named a sleeper. I was talking about earlier, I was talking to the Browns today. If you could pick one team that has the absolute best chance of having Deshaun Watson on their roster for the next season, who would you pick and why? That's a tough question. We know a lot of teams we're going to go after. I say the Panthers. I mean, they have a lot of picks to trade, and Justin McCaffrey would be a huge asset. It's a lot. It's either I would either go with Dan or Cleveland. Not the Cleveland coming into case, but you have to go with Carolina. They have way too many assets. Now the last big transaction I want to talk about here of the Dallas Cowboys keeping receiver Michael Gallup with a twenty. Well, excuse me, with a sixty-two point five million dollar deal. Did the Cowboys overpay? Underpay, or did they pay just the right price for Michael Gallup's services? I think they overpaid. If I'm going to be honest, he is a very good receiver. But their team is already struggling in the cap. We just had to release the top five, the top eight receivers. But because of cap, whenever you have Ezekiel Elliott, who is playing at the bottom ten, maybe if he's playing that good type of uh, running back, you know, it's Almost like a deal. Why not just cut Elliott to keep Pollard? But I don't know. I mean, Michael Gallup is a good wide receiver, but I don't think he's a fifty million dollars receiver. All right. Once again, Hunter Taylor, Antler Sports Network producer here on the ABS T-shirt graphics hotline. We'll definitely have to have you back on the show. We're going to take one more quick break. We got some bills to pay. When we come back on the other side of this quick timeout, we're going to talk some basketball. We're going to talk about Kevin Durant's most recent comments about the New York City mayor. And how my Dallas Mavericks are looking like a perennial top 10 team. You're listening to the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. Game live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. 
Hello, my name is Tarnisha. My name's Anthony. And we own Drip Like Jesus. Drip stands for devote, reach, influence people, just like Jesus did. Each one of our apparel has a scripture on the back that goes with the design. It's our cool way of spreading the gospel and looking fly. We are located in Stonebriar Mall in Frisco and also online at www.driplikejesus.com. So feel free to go online and shop or come check us out in Frisco. And thank you for helping us spread the gospel. A car is one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. It's how you get to work, how you take the kids to school, and how you get to some of life's biggest moments. Why not treat it as such? Whenever your car needs some tender love and care, visit Thompson Tire and Services in Tyler on 321 South Bonner Avenue, just five minutes south from Christus Trinity Mother Francis Rose Stadium. Joe Thompson and his team of professionals bring decades of under-the-hood experience to ensure that your car runs to the best of its ability. Any make, any model, any year, Thompson Tire and Services is the only place to get the best service for your car in East Texas. Open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday and closed on weekends. To make winning decisions, you need a championship team in your corner. Monument Realty, led by Anthony Heider, is that championship team. With countless houses sold in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, you're sure to score the right abode for you and your family. If finding the perfect home is in your future's game plan, then Monument Realty and Anthony Heider are your perfect play call to get the job done. Monument Realty in Frisco, Texas, the official realtor company of the Dallas Cowboys, the Texas Rangers, and the Antler Sports Network. Probably wondering, where is everyone in your area going for screen printing and promotional needs? It's simple. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. They can print on anything. We're talking shirts, hoodies, cups, pens, and pretty much anything that you can put a logo on. ABS T-Shirt Graphics is here to fulfill your company, organization, and fundraising needs. For a free quote, call 903-939-0990. ABS T-Shirt Graphics, located one half of a mile outside of the loop on 155 South. Don't forget to like them on Facebook. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. Welcome back to the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. Before we went to break, we had Hunter Taylor on to talk about some NFL. Tom Brady returning to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the recent free agent and transaction rumblings across the National Football League. Now we're going to head over to the association for some basketball talk. Kevin Durant once again in the news for his most recent comments regarding the New York City mayor and the vaccine mandates. Durant upset about Kyrie Irving and his handling after his rejection of the COVID-19 vaccine. The Nets, as an organization, were just fined $50,000 for allowing Kyrie Irving to be in the locker room at the Barclays Center after their most recent game. Here's Kevin Durant on his most recent comments, courtesy of ABC Sports. After today's win over the Knicks in Brooklyn, Nets star Kevin Durant calling out New York City Mayor Eric Adams. The city's COVID vaccine mandate allows Durant's unvaxxed teammate, Kyrie Irving, to attend home games but not play in them. Yeah, we're all confused. Pretty much everybody in the world is confused at this point early on in the season. You know, people didn't understand what was going on, but now it just looks stupid. So hopefully, Eric, you, you got to figure this out. 
Durant says Adams is seeking attention. Yeah, I don't get it. It just feels like at this point now, somebody's trying to make a statement or a point um, to flex their authority. Um, but, you know, everybody out here looking for attention, and that's when I feel like the, the mayor wants right now some attention, you know. Joey Waller, ABC. Shout out to Joey Waller for that last audio cut. I can understand where Durant's coming from. If you can be in the arena, sit courtside, and be around thousands of people, especially if you're courtside, you're right there next to the players. You're pretty much breathing the exact same air as the players as the game transpires. Then I don't honestly see why you wouldn't be able to be allowed in the locker room. You're in the same general vicinity from the players, your feet in some cases inches away from the players, then yeah, I don't see why you wouldn't be allowed to be with them. You can be in the arena, watch them play, maskless, you don't have to have vaccines to go anymore. Then then why not let him in the locker room? Let him why not let him be with his team? People give a lot of flack to Kevin Durant. Some of it's justified. Some of the comments that he's made, some of the actions he has on and off the court. And I can understand some of it. But in this case, I, I feel where he's coming from. I get what he's throwing down. My teammate, it's almost playoff time. This is the time where you need to get your stuff together, especially if you're in a, at the bottom of an Eastern Conference that is extremely competitive. All-star after all-star from team to team as you go down the conference standings as of right now. Then yes, I can, I can understand even more why he's upset. Kyrie Irving is a fantastic player. Just because he hasn't played in a while or played consistently in a while doesn't mean you forget how good of a hooper this man really is. If I'm Kevin Durant, yeah, I'm ticked off. I just lost James Harden to some more bull from resembles this OKC in Houston mess. Now he's on another team in my same conference. Probably got to see him at the playoffs soon later on in the postseason. Now my main point guard can't even play. And speaking of point guards, I got to deal with a point guard head case from Philadelphia that might, for all we know, might not another might not take another step on an NBA floor again. So I can understand why Kevin Durant is upset. Staying on the hardwood, my Dallas Mavericks, my fantastic Dallas Mavericks. We don't have the same glitz and glamour of, say, a Golden State or a Philadelphia with Harden and Embiid. Or all, this, or all the shining stars like a Giannis or a Jokic. But the Mavericks have begun to look more and more like a top 10 team. And people don't want to talk about it. I don't understand why. I don't understand why people are asleep on the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic has had an MVP season. Whether people want to admit it or not, he should be top three in the MVP conversation. In some statistics, he's averaging better numbers than Embiid and Jokic. The two consensus top two MVP conversation guys. He has better records than both Embiid and Jokic's teams. And he has guys coming off the bench and even starting alongside him at the guard spot that can do stuff like this. Dinwiddie. Shot block at eight. Brown is on Luka now. Doncic with five. Drives the lane. Three Celtics are there. Kick out Dinwiddie for three. It's good! And the Mavs take the lane with nine seconds to go. That's why they got him. Dinwiddie with a huge triple down the stretch here. And the Mavs back in front. Dave, give, give, give a lot of credit to the dribbler. Doncic sets the whole thing up. 
took the double team, kicked it back the rotator defensively late. All right, now this is just a great move. Now watch what happens there. See the double team and left there. Late rotation was late. Big shot by Spencer Dinwiddie. A walking embodiment of the perfect trade. But we talked about that last week. I'm not going to bore you with the details if you want to hear me and Matthew Hermans, another ASM producer, talk about how the Mavericks won that trade. You can go back to last week's show. Jason Kidd as well. I owe him an apology. At the beginning of the season, I still had a sour taste from his coaching stint in Milwaukee and Brooklyn. I didn't like the way he coached. I didn't like his offenses. I didn't like his rotations. I feel like we were going from one coach with poor rotations and Rick Carlisle to another coach with poor rotations and Jason Kidd. But he has proved to me otherwise. And I feel like he deserves coach of the year talks. Now we talk about the ex-Bolstras, the you-know guys, the Greg Popoviches, the Frank Vogels. You all hear the same coaching names. But Jason Kidd with this Mavericks team, what he's been able to do, how he pretty much revitalized Chris Asperzingas, whether it pains me to say or not, how he's pretty much turned this organization around when the Mavericks at the beginning of this last offseason before we made our front office and head coaching moves, we weren't looking too hot. We were looking stagnant. We were looking like we were in a standstill. Luka was going to drop 50 and that we would still lose by 15 and get in the seventh seed, losing the plan or, or losing the first round. But now Jason Kidd, has the Mavs knocking on the door of being a top four team in the conference. That's something that people don't want to talk about. But guess what? I am. Jason Kidd deserves to be in the MVP conversation, excuse me, in the Coach of the Year conversation, whether people want to talk about it or not. Going to take our final break of the show. When we come back on the other side of this break, we'll go over Moose's money lines, and we'll talk about who's up and who's down and this week in sports, you're tuned in to the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. Hello, my name is Tarnisha. My name's Anthony. And we own Drip Like Jesus. Drip stands for devote, reach, influence people, just like Jesus did. Each one of our apparel has a scripture on the back that goes with the design. It's our cool way of spreading the gospel and looking fly. We are located in Stonebriar Mall in Frisco and also online at www.driplikejesus.com. So feel free to go online and shop or come check us out in Frisco. And thank you for helping us spread the gospel. A car is one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. It's how you get to work, how you take the kids to school, and how you get to some of life's biggest moments. Why not treat it as such? Whenever your car needs some tender love and care, visit Thompson Tire and Services in Tyler on 321 South Bonner Avenue, just five minutes south from Christus Trinity Mother Francis Rose Stadium. Joe Thompson and his team of professionals bring decades of under the hood experience to ensure that your car runs to the best of its ability. Any make, any model, any year, Thompson Tire and Services is the only place to get the best service for your car in East Texas. Open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday and closed on weekends. To make winning decisions, you need a championship team in your corner. Monument Realty, led by Anthony Hyder, is that championship team. With countless houses sold in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, you're sure to score the right abode for you and your family. 
finding the perfect home is in your future's game plan, then Monument Realty and Anthony Hyder are your perfect play call to get the job done. Monument Realty in Frisco, Texas, the official realtor company of the Dallas Cowboys, the Texas Rangers, and the Antler Sports Network. You're probably wondering, where is everyone in your area going for screen printing and promotional needs? It's simple. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. They can print on anything. We're talking shirts, hoodies, cups, pens, and pretty much anything that you can put a logo on. ABS T-Shirt Graphics is here to fulfill your company, organization, and fundraising needs. For a free quote, call 903-939-0990. ABS T-Shirt Graphics, located one half of a mile outside of the loop on 155 South. Don't forget to like them on Facebook. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. Welcome back. Final segments of the show. You are tuned in. To the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. Jared Jones with you again on a Tuesday, March 15th, March Madness beginning. Be sure to be filling out your brackets. You never know, might be able to win a couple of bucks. Could help in these times with gas prices being so high. Might be worth it to take the gamble. Speaking of a gamble, this is time for Moose's Money Lines. I'm going to give you a couple of lines and odds to look out for today in the world of sports. We got some March Madness lines, college basketball. I'll also give you two NBA lines as well. All these odds and numbers courtesy of Yahoo Sports. Not sponsored, by the way. Although if Yahoo Sports would love to sponsor, that'd be greatly appreciated. Starting off in college basketball, Loyola Chicago as they face the Ohio State Buckeyes. Loyola Chicago is always going to be a team that you can never count out. Thank you, Sister Jean. That's all I can tell you. I'm not betting against Loyola Chicago. I'm taking the messy underdog. 2.5 point underdogs against the Buckeyes. I like Loyola Chicago on this one. Staying in college basketball, we talked about this game earlier. One of the biggest, in my opinion, one of the biggest games out in the March Madness slate for today. The Providence Friars over the Jackrabbits, South Dakota State. I like the points of this situation. Providence Two-and-a-half-point favorites as well. I like Providence. And the Pelicans, in over in the NBA, switching over now. The Pelicans are five-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Phoenix Suns. Now, Phoenix has been not only beating teams, they've been mollywhopping teams. The most recent game against the Lakers, I watched pretty much from, from tip-off to the final buzzer. Only one word can describe that game. Domination. The Phoenix Suns are looking scarier and scarier by the week. But the Pelicans do as well. Now the Pelicans, all the drama surrounding Zion, he doesn't want to play on the team. He wants to train in Portland. His family doesn't want him in New Orleans. Okay, that's fine. Jackson Hayes and Brandon Ingram are still going to go out there and play, and that's exactly what they've done. Take the underdog in this situation. I like the Pelicans. Five and a half. The final... Money line for today that I'm going to give you guys. They are the Memphis Grizzlies, the surging Memphis Grizzlies, and John Morant. Some people want to say the best team in the West. I'm not buying it, but maybe that's just the Mavericks bias in me. I don't care. The Memphis Grizzlies over the Indiana Pacers, seven and a half points. Probably the most surefire 
line to take out of the four that I've given you today. The Memphis Grizzlies, as you know, John Morant, Desmond Bain, that team's clicking. They're seven deep. You could somewhat argue even ten deep. They have some of the best depth in the NBA. But as the playoffs start to loom closer and closer, will that depth be able to carry them through a hellacious Western Conference? We are yet to see that. Indiana, they're rebuilding. Not a very good team. On the low and low, you would say the up and up, but it's the polar opposite. I would say yeah, they should even take at this point. You're not in playoff contention. Go ahead and try to get another pick. You already traded away Sabonis. You have Tyrese Halliburton. Try to build something around him. So Memphis is going to walk in and slack Indiana. Now, who's up and who's down? This kind of reminds you of the big deal, little deal that we used to do on the original Atlanta Report, if any of my TIR OGs are listening here. Live on the Mixler app on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify after the show goes live. We're going to start with who's up today. This is an easy one. This is Bruce Arians. You're, you went from possibly having to start Kyle Trask. Now you have Tom Brady back. Now, as we talked about back when Hunter Taylor was on via the ABS T-Shirt Graphics Hotline, it's for the love of football. But are they going to win another championship? Hunter says no. Me personally, he just might. I don't know. It's hard to tell. That NFC, it's, it's, it's the NFC. You just never know. The AFC, we know they're going to be great. They're going to be great for another decade or half decade to another decade or so, if not even longer than that. Their future is solidified. That NFC is wide open as ever, especially with the boogeyman and the NFC, as everyone likes to say, the Dallas Cowboys losing Amari Cooper for a bag of chips and a half-eaten tuna fish sandwich. If I'm Tom Brady, I'm really looking, I'm licking my chops right now. I like this conference. I like where the NFC is, and I'm going to take advantage of that. Now, who's down? The San Diego Padres and that entire fan base. I'm not the biggest baseball guy, but I feel sorry for him. You, you have Fernando Tatis, a generational talent. You just got out of a lockout. Morale is high. You think we get to head back to the diamond? We get to try to fight the demons off that we had last season and make the playoffs, but nope. Fernando Tatis, injury bugs got him early. Out three months with a fractured wrist. San Diego Padres. Padres and that fan base, they're down today. Who's up? The Boston Celtics, now that they realize, are slowly beginning to realize that the big three doesn't have beef anymore. That we know of. Of course, KG's retirement, retirement cut short, bit of a bittersweet night for Boston Celtics fans after Spencer Dinwiddie hit that game-winning shot, as we heard in the last segment. But Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, KG, had a bit of a chippy history, a chippy past. Post breakup, whether that be their breakup in Brooklyn or their breakup in Boston, that Brooklyn ordeal, I don't even want to talk about. We all know how bad that was. We all know how useless that was. That was years on a legacy that both Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett didn't have to endure on themselves. But now it seems like they've patched things up. They're in public. They're happy. They're smiling. They're clapping. They're they're loving on each other. They act like they care about each other now. So Boston's up today. And finally, who's down? Happened later last week, but the equipment managers for both the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm just going to let the clip play for itself. 
Step back, knocks down the three, can get to the bucket, and oh yes, he's got what we call the floater or the teardrop over the big man. All right, Michael, we got a problem here before tip. We got nothing but white jerseys out there. A little miscommunication as Oklahoma City is in white unis. The Memphis Grizzlies in some white unis. Now we all we had a, an issue with the jerseys last year. Remember between the Thunder and the Atlanta Hawks. And it was the Hawks who had to switch at halftime. But I've never seen anything like this where both teams had no idea that the other was going to wear white, and they didn't realize it until they met at half court ready to tip it off. <laughs> and that says it all right there. <laughs> you got to love it. I mean, it, this does happen, folks. And it did happen in the Atlanta game as both teams will go to their respective huddles. And it, we will postpone the start until Memphis can get the right jerseys on. All right, so now we know who the culprit is. <laughs> Got to get the right jerseys on. Go back to the dressing room. <laughs> That's a new one. That's why you always stick around this game because something happens, folks. <laughs> and obviously, you know, the Grizzlies will have to go in the back and change their jerseys to a darker color as everyone is kind of this is what happened. Look at Teo Maladon. He's just... Now, the Memphis Grizzlies and Oklahoma City Thunder, multi-million dollar organizations. You mean to tell me that we can organize flights, meals, transportation, practices for these teams, for these athletes, some of the best athletes this world has has to offer and we fumble a bag on something as minuscule or something as I guess you can say normal as a uniform colors that there <laughs> that's something I'd expect in like maybe a high school sub varsity game and that's not a knock on sub varsity but that's not something I should expect out of the National Basketball Association let's get it done guys Speaking of getting it done, that concludes today's episode of the Antler Report. Another Tuesday, another show. Thank you for listening live on the Mixler app. Or if you're listening post the initial live stream, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or on the TuneIn Radio app, all for free. Be sure to follow the Antler Sports Network across social media. Follow us on Twitter at Antler underscore SM. Big things coming soon, including our broadcast schedule for this upcoming year in both football and basketball. My name is Jared. Thank you all for listening, and see you next week. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. To make